Hey everybody, welcome to the show, LE2B. <laughs> Last exit to Brooklyn. That's right. This is Tom Eric's here, and we have a guest. Um, he's been on the show before. He has a lot of credits. Huge Cloris Leachman fan. <laughs> um, he's a writer. He's written for uh, a lot of the Comedy Central roasts. He wrote for The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, Conan, and the Golden Globes. Give it up. For Josh Comers, our old friend. How you doing, buddy? You hear that cheering? A long time since I heard fake cheers. <laughs> fake yeah, Clara Sleachman just died, by the way. I, I hate to oh. bad news. Well, something. I just... Um, Can 2021 get any worse? Yeah, it's, I know. Like, it's already better than last year. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> lost Eddie Van Halen last year. I mean, can it get worse? Maybe it um, so well, Cloris Leachman. So I don't. Did you ever meet? I, she she was on a lot of the roasts. Yeah, that, she was on the roast before my time. Now, so I, I never met her. And I feel like she's been. It seems like she's been like eighty years old for like thirty years. Yeah. Are we sure she was on the roast? I'm positive. I know she was on. I remember she was on one specifically where she killed. Oh. I don't that you're not thinking Betty White? No, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. She was on what I I met her when I was like 11 years old. Um, <laughs> it's a rap story. Dating site. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Our> Dead <time>. celebrities. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, but I remember when I met her, she seemed like she was like 75 years old, and yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I guess when you're 11, everyone seems 75 years old. I mean, you're just gonna leave it at that and not tell us how you met her. <laughs> I, well, I met her. Um, I don't know how to. So I don't know how to describe it without coming off really gay. I guess. <laughs> All right, I was blowing these two guys. The <laughs> <laughs> name Cloris Leachman showed up. No, so like. When I was like 11, I was in this like dance thing, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> like a dance group. And we like, yeah. and it was like, because this choreographer, I mean, this, whenever I tell it, it sounds creepy because this, this choreographer would go around to schools in public in New York city. And like, you know, I wasn't like a, an aspiring dancer, but like, you don't have to apologize. To the well, I've, just, I've told the story. It sounds creepy. It's like, I met this man and he went around to schools and picked kids. He thought was dancing. And <laughs> they said, I you're going to be in the Oscars. The more you say it apologetically, the more yeah. I think it's going to happen. And he said, hey, you want to be in the Oscars? And, you know, I got in his van. No. And like, <laughs> no. So it was like he picked kids he thought like had like you know, talent for dancing. So we would go and like be, be in this dance group. It was a bunch of kids from different schools. And like, we were on the Oscars once he was like a well-known choreographer. You were and, on the like, Oscars. What? You're on the Oscars. I was. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I was like 10 wow. in 1984. Wow. So like, and then we did this Cloris Leach. I remember one time we were there and we were rehearsing for something. Cloris Leachman was there like as part of it. I don't know how. She's part of the number that you guys were doing. Well, she was like we were we were rehearsing something to do with like because apart from the Oscars, there would always be a performance at the end with like Mary Tyler Moore was in it and we all these kids. And so maybe the the connection was Cloris Leachman was on the Mary Tyler Moore show. You said right? Yes. So maybe that's why she was. I think Cloris Leachman was in the final performance at like they we did it at like Felt Forum, which is part of like Madison Square Garden or something, and. um I just remember I always I just remember people were like telling me she was famous, you know, because I at that age, it was really funny at that age when I was doing that whole thing, like at the Oscars, like I didn't really know about like I knew famous people were, but 
it, the idea of famous people wasn't a big deal to me at that age. You know what I mean? Like you're kind of, like, I remember the Oscars. I saw like Gene Hackman and I was like, Oh yeah, I know, I know who that guy is, <laughs> but it was like that all night. But you know well, what I mean? Well, one and, thing about Cloris Leachman, she was on Mary Tyler Moore. She had her own spinoff Phyllis and uh, she was hot when she was young. She was in Miss America. I just wanted to add these a uh, little Cloris Leachman factoids. <laughs> She was I, hot, really? Yeah, real hot. Even <laughs> even on, but uh, I found something also. If you want to hear real fast, she yeah. really looked, she lost her. I'm like not here to Bob Saget. <laughs> oh. I'm here to <laughs> John Stamos. <laughs> That's a great line. All right, so you were right. Awesome line. You're fine, man. You're quick. <laughs> um. Nice were you, you were waiting for her to die. <laughs> how, how many weeks have you had that loaded? Um, wait, wait, can I just ask you something what, was it about the dance? Was it part of the opening number or just for the show? Oscars? Yeah. No, it was, um, you know how they have like a performance of the songs like during oh, the yeah, nominated. Yeah, yeah. it was for one of the nominated songs and it was from the movie. Remember the movie Flashdance? I know that's your favorite movie. Oh, fucking so 80s, man. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. like, uh, remember the song, What a Feeling? It was, you know, <laughs> Irene. So we danced to that song with Irene Cara. Yeah. Oh, that's it, wow. That's cool. That's like the most 80s story of all time. <laughs> I know. Like, it really dancing is. to Irene Cara. <laughs> but did I mention that we were all solving Rubik's Cube as <laughs> we were doing it? While we were breakdancing. <laughs> that's awesome. Doing the robot. No, and then also, so... They made a documentary about the the kids that were some. What happened was a documentary had been nominated for an Oscar for best documentary, and some of the kid and it was about this choreographer guy teaching dance to kids, and some of the kids in the group were in the documentary, and so that documentary won, and we went to the podium with him while he was accepting his Oscar. So I was like at a podium and I didn't even realize this until like eight years ago that that's what was happening. Cause they were just like, go in there now and like stand there. It was like me and like 40 kids. And I didn't know. And then I found out like three years late, three years ago that that director I was up there with directed dirty dancing, like two years later. Oh, that guy. Yeah. He was, he wasn't much of a director until then. I think Jeez, I, I, I like, that story. What? I like that story. He came out of the bank. I said Cloris Leachman died, and all of a sudden you got this. I know. I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of able to shoot the Oscars her. when I was two. Uh, yeah, I accepted. Uh, Spielberg took me under his wing for a few years. Wow. I think it yeah. kind of was a bad thing. I think I it almost gave me. got ET. <laughs> you think it was a bad thing? You feel like. Uh, too much, too much exposure too soon. I think I, I think I peaked to her. I think it was because I remember specifically being there and like. It was kind of like, you know, you're a kid, you know, I felt like that was when I was like, well, people seem to really like famous people like and I was there and I was like, I should just become a famous person and then life will be great. Uh Like, you you got a little taste. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you don't know how the biz is with like, all right, kid, get the fuck out of here. Right, right. Yeah. And all child actors. Oh, I do have another great Cloris Leachman uh, clip. I know I'm on top of the clips today. You Josh, to... are you glad you came out? We're gonna play. You're like, why the fuck did I mention this? <laughs> yeah. I, it wasn't on the rundown, but sure, we can spend an hour talking about someone I barely know. Uh, young Frankenstein. Oh, all right. You know, what? is she Fred Luca? Yeah. I am Paul Blucher. That was funny. Sorry. So do you um Tommy spoiled it. 
<laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know who she was. Um. So, so Josh, what do you? How you been doing during this this quarantine? I don't think I've. I think I've only seen you on some of Eric's shows. Have you been in New York the whole time? I've been in New York the whole time. I've. Uh, I've just, yeah, I've been in here the whole time. Have I, you I, been writing? Like, have you been doing any like remote writing thing? Like, the, yeah, I, I, yeah, I worked on a show uh, for Robert Smigel that that was on Fox. Um, you know, the, triumph, you know, the Triumph Show. No, I. I well, I did try. I did Triumph. In, I, I did a thing with Triumph in uh, January, and then one during the quarantine. Right. I don't know if that came together, but uh, let, well, I don't know if it was January, or February, twenty twelve. When we, we went down there, when Trump was getting impeached with Triumph. Yeah, I think I remember that special. It was yeah. like done right before before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was pretty <clears throat> soon before the pandemic, uh, and it's crazy because. All right, I'm, I'm going to bring the show down a little. Uh, you know, after <laughs> those Capitol riots, it was. It, I think it was a bit of a different experience than it would have been for me, but because I, I was, I was there. Um, you know, a year ago, I was there a year ago, and were you like doing recognizance and stuff? Like, no. We, well, we did some of that, yeah. yeah. But, but you know, we for, the, for, for the for the for the riot for the yeah, riot. Like, you were there for a day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you and a uh, fucking goat boy or that guy with the antlers, whatever his name is. Oh, yeah. That's Sean. I guess it's just a coincidence that you were there a year ago and Cloris Leachman died <laughs> today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trust the plan. Trust the plan. <laughs> so wait, so you were writing for try like for triumph? Or? Well, he went down there for, you know, to goof on to cover the impeachment uh, and for Colbert. Like he, you know, sometimes his bits are on Colbert now. And uh, what we were struck by is how much access we had. Like we were in the Senate building and we couldn't believe you could just walk around. And we just, we did, we walked wow. around and then while the impeachment hearings were happening, uh, you know, cause it's a bit, you know, you got triumph there. So triumph is doing bits where he's banging on doors, like come out, Lindsey Graham. Rules. <laughs> Yeah, and and here's the problem though we actually didn't know that uh i guess it didn't occur to us that well maybe the senators aren't in there but there are people in those offices that were banging doors so at one point when we we're banging on ted cruz's door nah. the capitol police showed up they did. oh wow really and we were kind of safe by mitt romney's crew believe it or they're not. probably nicer to you they're probably nicer to the uh capital guys than they were to you guys um no yeah i mean it's it, it but no they were taking down names and phone numbers and licenses did you have and to I like go through with, i slipped in with the romney crew and went in his office because they vouched for us luckily or else we would have been really screwed um because the the spokesperson for romney was a is a fan of triumphs and he had uh uh, she had met Robert Smigel earlier and expressed that she's a fan. So just by coincidence, when the Capitol Police swept in, they stepped out of Romney's office and vouched for us. Oh, yeah, we know them. They're OK. And uh, some of us kind of slipped in with them while everyone else. Was do they them. like so? Do, I, I guess people don't Another know. reason what, to not hate Mitt Romney. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I love it's, I love how Mitt Romney has become like fucking Abraham Lincoln all of a sudden. I know. Well, you know, I say he'll fuck. go back to his old shitty old, self soon enough. Well, it's just that's how bad the party is now. Mm-hmm. It's just Mitt Romney is like the beacon of hope. Um, anybody, I have a, I have a quick, in that party 
like that that can stand up to uh, Trump. I, I'm I'm happy for that. Uh, yeah, you, you know whatever you hate his policies, fine. Uh, you know he's already objecting to the uh, relief plan for yeah. this and that. But I, I don't know. It's always great when a billionaire rejects a relief plan for poor I people. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, we just need to make sure we're getting, the right people are getting it. Yeah. <laughs> me. No. Uh, anyway, I guess I tried. But, but, but I have one quick question. Sorry to, because uh, you work for Robert Smigel, who is awesome. Like, I think that guy is a genius. And you also yeah. work for Triumph. Is Triumph an asshole, but Robert Smigel's nice? How's that work? Uh, other way around. Other way around. Uh, okay. <laughs> really a guy. Robert's a prick. No. Um, they're both really, uh, they're really funny and uh, cool, um, and uh, yeah. So I'm happy to work for them. Wait, I want to. So what, what's it like? So how, what is the? I, I, is it not as organized as people think? Like, does he just? Do you just? Does he just walk around and find random people, or do they know he's coming, or does he have like ahead of time like people he's going to talk to? I mean, he try. He tries to. It's pretty chaotic. It's pretty run and gun. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> you know, um, some of those interviews were so funny. Like, I don't know. I know how you got some of those. Um, I mean, well, there, there's this little, there's this little spot. I can't remember what it's called. It's like in a basement, in a long hallway in the basement where congressmen can go. Congress people can go by and if they want to, ha- if they want to get a statement out, they can make that statement. They'll just stop. They'll call the skin. I wish I remember the name. Uh, like and Lindsey Graham was coming down, and you're just sort of waiting at the end of this hall, and, and then you just hear murmurs of whoever's coming down. Like, oh, Lindsey Graham! Lindsey Graham's coming down. Lindsey Graham. Like, so try, you know, Robert goes up with Triumph, and he's like, Lindsey, 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 <laughs> and you know, chasing <laughs> him down, and, it, and it's 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 really funny. Um, it's really it was hard though, you know. Do they do they recognize him? Are they like are they like we had to really kind of. Uh, squeeze in there and you know we didn't have certain credentials that would allow us to get a little closer get with you know like so you, you took some chances um i mean david feldman jesus man he, he like went up right oh, behind feldman and, and they had to blur his face out because he's he's like just as a trying holding up this sign like we'll work for rules or something <laughs> and, and uh and you know the police are like ah, 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 ah. They didn't. They didn't. You know, arrest them. But uh, so anyway, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I how do know. wait? How do people? Maybe you would hear about more triumph. But man, I want to talk about the fucking Capitol building. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm just curious. So, like, when people see triumph, do they recognize? Are they like, oh fuck? Like, what's their reaction? Are they kind of freaked out? I, um, most well, people are fans. Like, you know, the the the, the, the spokesman for Romney. That was like the first encounter we had, and she's like. I, you know, oh my gosh! I just want to say I'm a big fan. Yeah, there are people that come up and you know recognize them and, and it, it, say, dude, yeah, it's so funny though. It's like the one of the some people, some people ignore, you know, try yeah. to ignore. It seems very organic because I, I want one one big triumph. First of all, like the Star Wars yeah, video, that a, was kind of the one that like yeah almost took it like prime time. But um, I don't know if you ever saw with like with Triumph and Eminem that incident uh, at the VMAs. Right, right, yeah. Where he's trying, he's talking to Moby, and then Eminem kind of Moby and Eminem had a feud, and then Triumph tries to talk to Eminem, and they kind of like push the puppet away, and they take the jokes and they throw them. Um, what? Yeah, yeah, Eminem doesn't Do, But it, are there ever moments like that where like people are responding not favorably? Well, um, yeah, sure. 
Sure. Um, if you go, there's a, there's another bit we did in Texas where Robert went down to cover the Cruz uh, Beto. Um, oh yeah. Election. Uh, election. And you can see it. If you go watch it, it's a really funny one. You go watch it. Uh, you see when he's with Ted Cruz, you know, there's security. You, there's security there, like ho- kind of holding them and watching them and, and really ready to pounce. And you can almost hear Robert trying to, you know, say, take it easy guys. I'm just, I'm, we're just having fun here in his, <laughs> in his own is a little bit like, okay, guys. Okay. He said, Ted Cruz, he says it's our, well, of course, that's the same line. The other people used uh, the writers Ted Cruz would like this. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's not going to get you in anywhere. Ted Cruz sent us. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But but no, he was in Ted Cruz's face at the time. That's who that's who he was uh, interviewing there. But <clears throat> you know what I like it sometimes. Every once, in a while, every once in a while, uh, Robert Smigel he'll crack up a little bit while he's delivering the line. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, he can't he can't not think this is hilarious. Can I ask you how? <clears throat> so how did you get? How did that happen? How did you get hooked up with Smigel? And well, you know, I mean, Smigel's uh, work, Conan, Conan, and. But I had to get. I, I worked really hard to get on his radar at Conan. Like I wasn't like a guy, a go-to guy, and I, I never got to go on any of the uh, yeah, the field pieces that he did because I was a mono writer, and, and you know we were chained to our desk. But uh, didn't, didn't you write a I, bit? Really, <clears throat> didn't you write a bit for the uh, the Wiener Dog one, which was oh, so funny? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Well, that's the thing that one thing that sort of got me a little bit on his radar. Like I wrote a joke that. Uh, for that, that exploded in rehearsal and, and then it did, did as well on the show. So funny. And, uh, Robert, like I was at a Cubs game. This is like one, a magic moment from in my life. Like I was at a Cubs game. First time ever, only time I was ever at a Cubs game. It was cool at Wrigley. Yeah. And uh, I had an e- I, I looked at an email. I got an email and it's from Robert thanking me personally. And I was like, I looked at my wife. I'm like, holy shit. This is this is uh, I, I don't know. I was really. Uh, I was really. Wait excited. for what? Thanking you for for that line, the line in, in the wiener, the wiener circle. Well, what is it? Like, what's the What's the line? Oh, uh, the line is so funny. Do you want to say it or? A lot do of you, pressure. Do you remember? Do I remember what? Yeah, I should cue it up. <clears throat> no. What you're gonna cue it up? Do you remember? No, no, no. I was gonna say if you can do that, great. No, no, I forgot about it. But uh, uh, I don't. Know. I feel like I'll. I'll, I'll Humble it. Um, like uh, you only work for tips because that's that's all. That's all that's as far as it'll stick it in you, or something, something like yeah, that. yeah. It was something. Like that. I, believe, I should remember it. You know, wait, 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 wait. What was this for? So you never saw this bit. The Wiener Circle is a place in Chicago, like a late night place. People go when they're drunk, and they just they yell. The customers yell at the staff, and the staff yells at the people. I mean. It would be funny if he just played a little bit just to get a taste. I'm gonna, I'm gonna know, look. I'm gonna look for it. Though. Give me a minute. I think they. I think David Tell went there on his uh, Insomniac show. Right, but the whole thing about it was is that these people uh, who work there insult all the customers, so they got Triumph to kind of give it back to them, and that's what was it was hilarious. And then first they Happy were really- Prayer was in it too. Yeah. It, it was it was fucking hilarious. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? 
How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Yeah, that does, that does stuff. So like, how does it, what? Oh, I'm just saying so, but that didn't like automatically put me in his, you know, you know, whatever rotation or in his deck. Um, So, so I, I think I did like some writing for him for a charity thing. uh, And then I never heard anything from him for like, I don't know, a long time, years. I don't know. And uh, then he wrote me say, Oh, Hey, these were good jokes. I couldn't use any of them because they were harsh. And, uh, but then he started calling me for things. And so I've been, you know, I've been doing triumph stuff and for a few years now and, uh, you know, triumph doesn't do a lot of things, a couple of things a year, but it's fun because I, you know, I write roast. I like those kind of jokes and triumph is roasty. And, uh, I was always like, why can't I get, why can't I get on this guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's, <clears throat> this is what I do. Is that kind of like when you were there? Is that kind of does it seem like a lot of people are trying to get noticed by him? Like he's kind no, of the... no, <laughs> no. They're 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 not. They're fine. <laughs> <laughs> they're fine with being like whatever. It's whatever a lot. Of, it's a lot of work. I think it's a lot of was always a lot of work to go on the remotes, and you know he's he can be intense to work for. You know, I like how he said your your jokes were too harsh for triumph. I mean, no, no, God. no. Well, was it? Yeah. I, mean, I think it was like a Paul Rudd charity event yeah. uh, in Missouri. So it just, seems oh, like I got gotcha, you. Yeah. Some things could be like really like, whoa, it's a mixed crowd, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's move on to my, the subject I wanted to bring up actually. Um, Cause you are a professional joke writer and I want to know what you think about uh, jokes now after Trump, where are we going to go with political jokes? What do you think as a pro? Biden jokes, all that. Um, well, Biden, Biden's kind of hard, a little bit tricky, but uh, I mean, you can always do the old, old yeah. guy, out of it guy. Um, it's weird. SNL took a different route with him, with Jim Carrey. You know, whatever you thought of his performance, it was kind of like he was more, it, it played up a little bit more of his, his feisty and, you know, roll up his sleeves and, you know, take you out to the barn and yeah, know, that didn't really land. That didn't really, didn't. that wasn't received well. Um, it, it's a, it's an aspect of him, but it, it's, it's tough. Um, so I, I, you know, well, first of all, it, it's nobody in comedy wants to fucking write more Trump, Trump jokes. No, <laughs> you know, God. and I, I was just reading this article in Vulture. It was just basically anonymous late night writers talking about, writing in the Trump era, writing Trump jokes. And like, and no, nobody, nobody was happy about it. it it's, it's. Because um, it was kind of depressing. It gets, well, it gets boring. It because it's, it's, I think there's like two sides of it. Like Trump is such a cartoon character that there's a lot to make fun of. Um, you know, you can go even beyond the, you know, the basics, which the, the hair and the skin color, um, you know, and, and you can, there's just like a million angles you can come at him with. So in a way, he should be 
um, for a comedy writer love because he gives so much in that sense. But it's just everybody's writing the same shit, you know, even though we, you know, you can come at it from so many different angles, you still wind up in the same place. Um, and plus, uh, the other side of it is, you know, it's dark, you know, he's dark. It's a dark okay. time <clears throat> for America. So to, to like kind of uh, make him more of a cartoon than a threat, I think people can be conflicted over that. Yeah. And I think, I think on SNL, you could tell like by the, um, the, towards the end of this election, they were just tired. They were just, you could tell it wasn't like even that funny to them anymore. It was just they, they, like, they were also tired in comedy clubs. I felt like joke Trump jokes were not landing. It didn't matter who the audience was. People just want to escape him. Yeah. But you know, you say that, and I can see that in comedy clubs because comedy like, clubs. Yeah. I mean, if they were all, if they were all, if they were all Trumpers, they would get pissed at you. But even liberals were like, I don't want to, I can't, I just can't, I can't, you know? I can see that at comedy clubs, but just like someone in this article, uh, this late night writer in, in the article pointed out, like they would try to do jokes that weren't about Trump. And, and, and once they, like they would do their Trump jokes and then move on to other areas. But once, once they went there, the audience reaction dropped. Oh, wow. Uh, so because you think it like, like bummed people out? Um, no, no, no. They just they it, it's. I think as much as we hate him, we do want to consume him. We are a little bit addicted to him, uh, and whether you know, it's probably a lot of uh, uh, confirmation bias. Like the same reason, you know, I'll watch Morning Joe and Mad Al. Like, yeah, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> Tell him. Um, and then, you know, late night hosts started doing that and it would, it would, you know, just, yeah, instead of laughter, it would, a lot of them would get. Yeah, I think Colbert kind of like um, was the most successful at coming at it because he, yeah. he started to come mm -hmm. at it from, he would do jokes and they're really, he, he seemed to have like the sharpest jokes and also like he would be really angry at times. Um, well, I, I agree, but I think, I actually think, you know, you know, like that person said, uh, you know, that the jokes would drop after we start when we stopped doing Trump jokes and we tried to do other jokes, they wouldn't get the reaction. Um, I, and so this person was kind of blaming the audience, which is always feels a little bit like, you know, I got to roll my eyes at that a little bit. Like, yeah. But but at the same time, for like someone who really just wants to hear like good jokes, um, I think when the audiences were gone during this during this um, quarantine, during COVID, I think the jokes for a lot of hosts got sharper because they didn't have mm -hmm. to, they didn't have that rehearsal audience uh, to tell them no. Because a lot of times that rehearsal audience, like it's Seth Meyers and Jimmy, they actually, I'm not even sure Jimmy does it anymore, but um, you know, they're not great. They're like Taurus. You grab off the street and sit them down. Yeah. And, that's interesting. Cause not, even, not always even American. So, you know, and I just know from personal experience, it's like, you know, the, the, the dirty jokes that Conan would always get more and even the more expected jokes that people have heard before, they kind of heard it before they would get a re reaction and, and the jokes would die. So if you're not like bouncing, you know, if you're bouncing off less people, the sharper, more, I don't know, fresh material has a better chance of being through. And I, I, I don't know. I think I saw that in some way. No, I, no, I think I just want I think that you're correct. I also feel like zoom comedy shows, 
which, you know, whatever you think about them, they're really made for sharp joke writers. That's why you guys do well on those shows, um, because it's all about the jokes. and You don't have to pander. There's no I mean, there's an audience, but it's they you can't do act outs really that much. It's all about the joke. So I feel like in certain ways it's made comic comedy writing stronger. Yeah, yeah. Whole pandemic, I mean. Well, that's yeah, it because, yeah, but I, it's kind of worth it, you know? And yeah, it. it's funny. I did, it took this to be like, oh, yeah, if we can only get rid of these fucking audiences, <laughs> we have something. But it's funny because I, I, I actually didn't really watch these late night shows. I, did, I just realized this now. I never really was interested in watching Colbert's monologue until like the last three weeks. Now I watch on YouTube all the time, Seth Meyers, too, because, and I think it's because there's no, they're not pandering to crowds. So they like Seth Meyers is really good at it too. Cause there's like an exasperation that they have that yeah. they couldn't really have with crowds. You know what I mean? They had to kind of like present it in a, in a lighter way, but like Colbert, like the day of the insurrection was really outraged. He just, he couldn't hide his anger and, but mm. it was a sharp, it, I mean, I loved it. Cause you know, that, you know, it's funny, but it was also like, um, there was there was something behind it. There was more like passion behind it. But it's funny. Like I've I've thought the same thing. With it's similar to sports. I feel like like the Knicks are pretty good now, and I think it's because they don't have to perform at the Garden in front of people <laughs> just yelling oh, racist, really? race, <laughs> racist things. You know what I mean? Like because wow. it's like must be so much easier to play. It, I think it's just because the Garden is just full of these insane people. So the same you reason don't... I'm really good at masturbation over sex. Right? <laughs> there's nobody there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pressure's off. I mean, not totally off, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, also, I also think when it comes to Biden jokes, I think Biden is going to be a lot like making fun of George W. Bush, where, you know, George W. Bush was a horrible president, but you knew as a person he wasn't, he was a, a, an okay dude. Mm-hmm. Like Trump, Trump is just was a terrible person. It, yeah, I mean, it's it's just dark. I mean, we're in a dark time. It's hard to unless you can go really far and get really like scathing, like a, a, like John Oliver type or even Sam. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's hard to really I don't know. They, I guess these guys have done it, but it, <clears throat> it's hard to get give Trump the comedy he deserves, which is you know, really scathing, um, awful shit. Um, have you written a lot of Trump jokes like during this time? Um, well, I mean, I haven't, well, well, okay. Uh, I've, I only worked, let's see. Uh, so I worked at the tonight show for like six months. I I was there when he, you know, when he got six months when he was in office. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Um, or so, something like that. Were you, were they um, staying but, away from it or no? Well, I, I mean, you know, oh, you got to tell not, us now. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, Jimmy. I mean, it, it, you, you can't stay away from it. You can't stay away from it. I know people know? didn't love it. The staff didn't love it when he was rubbing the hair of. Well, uh, I, I don't know about the staff or if it really occurred to anybody at the time. Maybe maybe some people. Really pissed know, off the hair and makeup department. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, they they all they all uh, quit after. No, um, it uh, but it, the public is 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 who it you know really um, pissed off, and 
you know, I don't, he hasn't really recovered. I mean, he, he, I mean, he, he was number one. No. Yeah. He last I saw he was number that. three, which was unbelievable to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Some nights, yeah. uh, um, Kimmel beats him and some nights, some nights Colbert audiences double. Wow. Yeah. I've and heard look, he's, he, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, it's kind of surprising a little bit. Cause we're talking about like, is, you know, don't we want to escape this? But we, I guess not enough people do because Jimmy would be the escape. You know, he's light and and doesn't doesn't really want to do politics. I don't think you know, but has to now. But but people just didn't want that escape anymore. That they wanted to they wanted to dig their sink their teeth in. It's like it's like me. The only books I fucking read in the last two years are books on Trump. Yeah, <laughs> I fucking hate it. And speak, you talk about asking me if, the original question was about jokes. So you know. I mean, I've written for, you know, Triumph and the, the show on Fox, and that was political sketches and stuff. So, yes. But just like my own Twitter timeline, you look at like the first five or six years. It's just like it's just fun. It's like an open mic where I'm just like trying shit out, throwing things up against the wall. And then just like everyone else, Trump, 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 Trump. And I always try to even if I'm making a statement, I try to make a joke there. I try to make a little twist in it. But it's still all him, and it's just I hate it. Like, you know, if he wasn't president, imagine we'd all be like learning languages and writing screenplays. <laughs> well, yeah, because that's the thing. On I know, like I've had this on Twitter. You could write a really good joke, and you're like, "Oh, this is gonna kill," and you get like two likes, yeah. and then you just write "Trump sucks," and it gets like a thousand. You're like, "What the <laughs> right. fuck?" Yeah, it's featured in Vanity Fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. You know, I've, I I even I've. I'm aware of it. You were saying how we're like addicted to Trump. And I was even aware of it, that um, it, it has become like a TV show where, where there's a villain. I just have to follow, you know, yeah. like um, I can't just stop when it's like, you know what I mean? I, I hate it, but I still, it, you know, he's like a master at manipulating, you know, getting people addicted to him. So and he's, re- he's, he's a relentless stimulator. Like it's, you know, yeah. the stimulus from him is relentless. I mean, it's just, it, you know, there is no bottom as they say. Um, but each, each, um, each dip down further into the gutter, we're just like, well, I think that's to that feeling of our, our mouths being agape and, I think that's what would what start to happen in comedy. There was like a fine line and I could see it in like SNL and stuff where the, you know, it was hard to make jokes about things that happened. Like the, the when the Capitol riot happened, I was like, Oh shit, what is SNL going to do about this? And I was like, Oh, they're still, off. but imagine if like SNL had been on the air, like what would they have done with? They couldn't have done anything with yeah. that. They couldn't. <clears throat> um, they probably would have had, um, Alec Baldwin sing Hallelujah. <laughs> they would have they would have had to do something somber. Yeah, they they had to. That 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 event is oh fuck, I can't even get started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, I know. What, what was it? And that's like, like late night host has to like. I think they would have brought back Mango, and they would have done a bit with him. <laughs> you know that might that might have been the right move. <laughs> um, Ladies and you, gentlemen, Mango. How long is Hallelujah. The, I couldn't even think of a newer Saturday Night Live character because you know it's Saturday Night Live now. It's weird. They have a lot of. Oh, I think I, I like a lot of the stuff they do now, but they don't have a lot of characters anymore. They kind of moved away from that. I feel. Can you think of anyone currently like on the show a character? The only one I can think of is like Pete Davidson does Chad. Chad. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
which is like barely it's just kind of him i know <laughs> yeah. but it's not it's, and it's yeah. one thing i'll say but it's not funny like i every time i see it i'm like all right this isn't good um i like it sometimes but yeah it's kind of i like him i just don't think i think that character is like not there's just seems like there's nothing but i i will say i i had a tendency to not like the recurring characters um like who's a recurring character you liked can you think of any well, I mean, you know, when I was growing the cast, when I was growing up, I, I you know, I, I liked all, you know, church lady and uh, yeah. copy guy, you know, making copies, and, you know, but re- like in my adult life, I don't know. I'd have to see it. It really, I can't, I can't think of it. Off the Were you, did you, uh, Kate, McKinnon, Kate McKinnon's alien, uh, you know. When oh, were, that's a great bit. That's a really funny character. So funny. Um, and that's recurring. Were you into comedy young? Were you were you funny young or like? Yeah. Was it something that you were like, I want to do this? Were you into? Sta- I wasn't really into stand up young. I was only into, like I never actually cared about late night, but uh, I was into stand up. Yeah, like as as early as high school, I I knew that I wanted to I wanted to do stand up because we got we got that like the the network that preceded Comedy Central. And uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, was it? Was it? Maybe repeating myself from a previous podcast. No, wasn't it Ha? Or yeah, something? I think it was Ha. Yeah. And like, you know, before that, it was, and I'd already like got a sense that, oh, I'm kind of funny. I, you know, I can make people laugh. Um, and I wasn't really good at a lot of other things. So. Were you funny young? Were you known as being funny? I kind of was. I, was. I don't know why I was thinking about this the other day. It was like a class clown contest in eighth grade where everyone in middle school, where everyone's gets to vote. And I remember a few kids being like, dude, you're going to, you're going to, you're definitely going to be. And like, I wasn't even oh. like on the, like the five people that were getting nominated. I was like, uh, already being overlooked, <laughs> but I, dude, I, I knew. Didn't you, like, but didn't you go to school? On network. Once I got the hot network and saw like, but didn't you? I mean, people. but you went to school with Carrot Top and Cloris Leachman, right? So. <laughs> I did, and they were uh, yeah. And Carrot Top was already you know had that crutch, uh, literally a literal crutch. That's what he did this on. Well, just think, Michael Jordan didn't get picked for the uh, varsity team, so right. And look at us both now, <laughs> legends in our field. Um, but uh, yeah, no, dude. I, I, because before that network, that would just show like shitty nights at new york comedy club here were here here uh half-ass bits and dishes clanging uh you know you saw eddie murphy and george carlin in like packed theaters mm. so that was that like i can't do that but then you saw like these guys just like anyway and like you know the sports jacket you're like oh shit i can do that when did you when did I you actually put on the one sports jacket i had in the mirror this is in high school really and, like, mine doing bits but it took me it still took me till after college to come out is that when you, when did you first start it? Um, uh, not that early. I was like 23 or 24. You that's know what? Pretty... Before I ever did stand up, I, uh, it's kind of a long story and I hope I didn't tell it on the show before. Porn? I tried to yeah. try make it. I was born. Just try to incorporate Cl- Cloris no, Leachman this time. No, porn. No. Yeah, try, yeah, try and show her to Cloris Leachman bit in. I, yeah. Just, just by weird happenstance, a series of events led to me doing a, show in Atlantic city called back to the fifties where I would, I would, I was the host and I would dress up as Christopher Lloyd from back to the future. And then in the middle, I would dress up at who the fuck was I? It was like, I was a greaser and I would come out and tell some of the jokes. Like I had my hair greased back. I had like a white t-shirt and I, I, I'm not an actor. I never was. So my accent would be like this. 
<laughs> I'd just be like the Fonz or something. And I got, and it was crazy because I had no stage experience. And I, 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 I somehow got this job through a comedian that I met. Uh, I thought it was like the guy who, the guy who recruited Tom recruited you for this. The choreographer. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to dance the whole time. And I, anyway, it was, but it was, I got, I got fired after two weeks. I got fired after two weeks because there's this band, this old band uh, called, uh, they're called uh, Johnny Maestro and the Brooklyn Bridge, I think. Mm. And they had this song and I thought it was over. And I I came out and be like, Johnny Maestro, as Christopher Lloyd, Johnny Maestro and the Brooklyn Bridge. And, <laughs> and, they, and they all stopped and looked at me because the song wasn't fucking over. And I just slinked back. <laughs> <laughs> and I got fired. Why and did I, you think it was over? Where they paused? You, well, they they all, yeah, because it's 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 one of the, I, I I don't know the musical term, but it's a uh, song the girl you heard you getting married. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. We wanted to get into the most rel- the most relatable thing <laughs> for the uh, no. That, this is this. But, but is no, it, it, you feel like it's 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 the part where you feel like it's over and then it comes back. Yeah, that's uh, no. That's when- how, that's how I've hosted comedy shows where the the comedian on stage will say thank you at some point in the middle of their set, and I'll just like run to the stage, and they're like, oh, they were just I don't. They just said the words thank you. So you have you ever it? have you ever like hosted and they won't the the comedian won't get off the stage? Have you ever had that? Um, yeah, I haven't hosted in a long time, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that I mean, happens all the time. I don't, but, I but, it. but I mean, like not, but like like not like go long. Like they won't get. I I ha, like I haven't hosted a lot, but I remember like I think two years ago I was hosting at Dangerfields. And I lit the guy like 20 and 20 times and they were like, yeah, this guy just doesn't get off. Mm-hmm. And I had to just walk up and grab the mic from him. <laughs> was he, uh, was he, did he earn that? Absolutely. No, he was bad. He was really bad. He was just crazy. He was like a bring a new bringer guy, but I had never seen that. Like he, they were like, oh yeah, no, you, you, um, just have to go up. And I was like, well, what do you mean? You, you know this? Like, why would you book this guy again? So I literally just in the middle of a joke had to grab the mic and be like, all right. Was he bombing? Yeah, he was bombing. See, that's what I never understand. How do those guys not like when you bomb on stage, you can't get me at off fast enough. But these guys will just keep going and going and going. Like they think at one point they're going to get a laugh. I, they're obviously probably like really oblivious to everything anyway. You yeah. Know? Yeah, probably uh, one of the Proud Boys. <laughs> they make the worst comments. Yeah. Um, so, Eric, did you have any other? I mean, I had some other questions. I don't know if you had. Yeah, shoot some, shoot some questions to our guest. Well, so I'm just curious. So so you started in New York, right? Like, you, you, were you just like, okay, uh-huh. what made? Because I think you, I think I started like you know a little after you i started around like 99 i no i started in okay yeah i started in nine i think my first time doing it was 98 jesus christ i can't even remember it. 90 no, 97 or 98 i think i moved in nine, 97 and, I, used, and I, I feel like it was like the worst time to start doing stand-up comedy it was it was a, it was a downtime time. i i i definitely feel that way i mean all comedy was like kind of becoming the thing and you know, I was, you know, not alt and, uh, but, I, but before, even before I moved to New York, I, I found this open mic, you know, cause you know, you didn't know how to do it then. Now it's like, 
anybody like you know it, it's a, so much information on how to just get started and where to go oh i know it's insane that there, there was no information like that the, the yeah. boom was over they had stopped giving out deals like yeah. like the month before i started so so i i just found out that the stress factory in new jersey had an open mic on wednesdays and that was like a year of my life revolved around that in new jersey i would drive up like it was a long drive two hours and i, I remember just driving home so tired every week like almost hitting deer on the uh, turnpike because um, there really are deer there. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, just revolved around getting up for five minutes. Yeah. It's like when you had, and you probably had like a day job at that time, right? Yeah. So you and have, like, did, you have a okay. day job and then all you have to cling on to for the whole week is like a five minute spot at an open mic. Yeah. But you kind of yeah. relish that. Did and you then, have like yeah. a, a game plan? Like what was the, like, were you like, oh, I want to end up here or like, what did you? I don't know. I, I never wanted to be, I never, it, even after I moved here, was doing it for a few years. I never thought, oh, oh, maybe I'll be a writer. Um, it just never even crossed my mind to be a writer. I just thought, oh, I'm, I'm, I want to make it in standup. Uh, and um, and you did like Gladys's a lot earlier. I think that's where I first saw you. Yeah, that was, that was good and bad because I feel like I got a lot of, kind of learned how to do it there because the road came to you. Yeah. Like it was just all chorus. But I also feel like I I got stuck there and I got lazy. Instead of like seeking out other venues, I always had that Friday and Saturday and Wednesday, the open mic. So that was three nights and I don't know. Eh, regrets. Uh, I remember they were always like, I always had a hard time. I, I went to the open mic a few times. Or, I mean, at least... 10 to 15 times and um they didn't know me and they don't you know they did the thing where they would take you they take a paper out of the hat so you <laughs> goes next but i always ended up being like the last paper oddly <laughs> so i kind of stopped going there and then uh but it, it kind of was like a it could be like a bummer of a room right um, yeah, I mean, it was really uh, among comics, people really looked down on it. I mean, it was not like a cool room by any stretch, but it was but, kind of popular. Like, I mean, well, popular. I mean, Gaff, look, Gaffigan always came and ran his sets there. And every Friday and Saturday night, I mean, for the most part, this is before this is when it was just only Caroline's. The only other place in Times Square yeah. was Caroline's, the big real club. You know, with big names that you know from TV, you know, and, and Gladys's was like, you know, we just dragged them off the street. Yeah, I remember like just barking for that club. And I, I wasn't even a good barker, but I you would just sometimes just stick your hand out and people would just pull the flyers out of your hand. They're like, what is this? Because there wasn't yeah. there was no comedy clubs in, right. in that area except for Caroline's. Right. You, you are bad at barking. Once, once Adam Hunter came along, no one needed to be a good barker. No. <laughs> That's not really barking. That's just kind of standing there. Just like flashed <laughs> a grin and started, you know, shook his ass and started walking toward Gladys's. And like, Eric, we need someone to hold these pieces of follow. paper. <laughs> and Adam was such a good barker. Uh but he was like, he was young at the time and he was like, uh, you know, like real young. And he would bark in a lot of like 16 year old girls that wanted to have sex with him. Jeez. So you kind of it was cool because the room was full, but then you noticed you're like, like I think these girls are here for one reason. <laughs> I mean, looking back on it, it's like of course, like that would be the whole reason to even be doing this. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's that's all. Yeah. You know what Not he used to do? He used to find these girls that would fuck him and bring them in there. What the fuck? Like, what the hell was I doing? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
I'm trying to get the respect of my peers. But Adam always took it seriously. Like, that's why he's great. Because, like, he, he could have just been one of those guys who just fucked com- comics and just did. But he always worked at it. You know, he's like, I have an audience. Let's do this. You know, he's a real hard worker, man. I, I, I respect that. Um, But, yeah, I, I guess I was just curious about that because I looking back on it, how. I didn't know this at the time, but I, I even think about like when I started, like around when we started, it's like, what, what even compelled us to do stuff? I feel like, how did we even know it was like a thing, you know? Cause it wasn't that, I mean, obviously stand up was, was known and I was, I was funny and I'd always like been into comedy, but back then, like if you want to do stand up, like you really had to go out of your way to, to, to try and do stand up. Yeah. To, like find yeah. it. I know. It's just, I, I am, I am jealous now that, you know, it's really not that it's so easy to make it, but it's really accessible. Like you can, you can. It's so easy to start in a way. There's yeah, people, there's so now, many outlets. Not now, but yes, before the pandemic. You don't. Yeah, and you don't have to be good to make it anymore. Now it's like you can just you know have something good on social media, and that's it. Well, there's definitely different ways to like you know the old model. Like I always thought, like okay, because I'm so bad at schmoozing and working and I, it's just never how I would make it so you know I always remember Steve Mark saying just be so good they can't ignore you and uh I never got there but um I, I did uh I did like that philosophy um thinking I could circumvent being like uh I don't know a, a networker guy and understanding the business yeah but I mean you, you know you did things in the business it's not like you didn't oh no I did but I mean I think you know success I found success in uh writing not that it's you know it's you know it's it's still a struggle but uh you know yeah when you were when you were doing a lot of writing you had those jobs where you kind of like ah this isn't what i want to be doing or were you kind of no i always i always only now i'm like do i want to do this anymore i never i never ever thought like oh i want to be done with stand-up i but i was never a good self-start so i never really pushed it uh like like in the same way like i did you know i just did gladys's hey i got this no i i just didn't push myself um and i don't know if i fully had the stomach to really you know take it you know too far but um, there weren't really that many outlets at that point there were like there was like the strip everyone was trying to get into the strip that was like the only place that like had kind of a luna lounge is what became the thing yeah my friends did it and i was just to show you, I'm, you know, with my stuff. I, I was so nervous. I, I wouldn't, I couldn't ask uh, uh, to do it. I couldn't ask the booker, Jeff Singer, and Naomi. Um, and I remember, like, they had an audition at. Remember, um, what was the the hostel that everyone did comedy at? Gershwin. Gershwin, which was always such a fun venue. Um, like they had an audition night there <clears throat> for Luna. Oh wow! And I got up and I did great. You know, and but I and everyone's schmoozing with singer afterwards, and I'm just like, I don't know, I can't. Yeah, I couldn't go up. You know, I put you know, you have. I think I have too many pedestals around me. Um, (laughs) And and then and then then we were on the corner afterwards, like on the street, like milling around, and and Jeff was there, and and my girlfriend at the time practically pushed me into him, and he's like, "Hey, shy boy," I was like, "Ugh." And he started booking me. Um, when when did that, be, when did that be? When did that be? Labor Day spots. 
<laughs> yeah, when did yeah. that become big? Yeah, so Luna, yeah, we should just tell um, audience about Luna Lounge. Everyone wants to like give a background about uh, that. Luna Lounge in the in the late '90s and early aughts, I guess it was. It was like a a place where uh, it was a it was a home a beacon for alternative comedy, where Mark Maron and Janine Garofalo and the like would would go. And uh, CK would go there too, right? Louis CK. Yeah. I mean, uh, more traditional comics would go there, but it's just because it wasn't a club, but it was a popular venue, I guess kind of made it alt and it wasn't, you know, it just didn't have that clubby feel. And I don't know, I guess that like Largo in Los Angeles, that was kind of unique at the time, right? Yeah. Largo. I remember cause I moved to LA in like 2000 and I lived there for a couple of years and I went to Largo early on and that was like the LA yeah. Luna, like the old scene and i was kind of like oh what is this and then when i went back when i came back to new york 2002 everyone was like oh luna and i remember i went by there and i was like it was like the by that point it was like the room yeah and, and in these places also like didn't what was that guy oh, liam mcanini didn't he have some yeah. room that yeah, was pretty- Liam had a tell, tell your uh tell your friends i actually gave him the name <laughs> oh i think you told me that once yeah yeah, yeah, and that was fun. You know, that was like, uh, you know, that was actually I owe I owe a lot to that because that's where Brian Kiley saw me doing stand up and, um, you know, told me to submit a packet to Conan. Wow, that's is that I, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, so, and that was just like in a basement, right? Yeah, but that was the thing. That's what you we you started realizing. You're like, oh, no one is coming to the comedy clubs. Audiences are, but not important people. And that's where oh. everything changed. And it's still to this day. I mean, things are closed now, but like in the last 10 years, like every, anyone who important or was scouting or whatever, maybe they go to the cellar. That's possible. But outside of that, they go to these Brooklyn places now all the time, or they did at least. Right. Right. Yeah. And for me, it was just like, well, I can kind of get booked at bars and shit, but I feel like clubs are just this giant fortress. I just don't know how to penetrate. I I had the same thing. Like when I first moved back in 2002, I was like, Oh, everyone's like, you gotta get in the clubs. And I tried. And then like, I just threw this strip a couple of times and like did well. And it was just always like, yeah, you're white. And I was like, okay. Um, So then like I started doing the old scene just because they were the only ones that booked me. So, and then what happened is like that became like a big scene and it was only because I I was only in it just because I was like, well, I mean, no one else would give me any spots. So, um, yeah. And plus the clubs were like the guys who got booked also like, were like these killer types that were like super high energy and just like, you know, you know, some of these comics, they're, they're really good, but it's like, if you don't have that style, it's kind of hard to follow them. Sometimes you can do well, but when a guy like, like, the audience is like screaming after they get off stage. It's like, those were the guys they were looking for a lot in those yeah. clubs. They're like real killers. Like they yeah. really kill. Yeah. I'm just not. Yeah. But I also feel like my, my comedy is like short jokes. I also think it's, it's more suitable for clubs, which is, was always frustrating. Cause I felt like, I'm yeah, gonna, you know, whereas, whereas I think a lot of like alt rooms might, you know, there were times where it, you know, it, it just, there's not a lot of one-liner comics out there, you know, and, yeah. it, and I just feel like it might feel old and corny to some people. Well, that was always the what I hated about the alt rooms was like, oh, if you look like you were trying, you know, yeah, it's like- yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the thing the thing I will say about it, though, is that it did get like a bad rap, like people were, and there were people in that scene that 
were not good comedians. They, and that's kind of why they were able to do the alt scene because they were like, you know, big thing was like storytelling, you know? And, right. but that was just kind of like, I mean, like John Mulaney's like a storyteller, technically. Right. Bill Burr. I mean, it doesn't mean you're like, or bad, but they were just, they just, people just, some people just didn't have jokes. So it was kind of like, yeah, I'm a storyteller. But there were people in that scene that were just kind of straight up stand up. So it wasn't like, because yeah. I remember when I was around, I was doing the alt scene a lot. I kind of would hear around town, I was, I was labeled like an alt comic. Like I auditioned for The Cellar once and like, I didn't pass and I heard through the grapevine someone was like, yeah, he just did all his alt stuff. And I was like, what are you talking about? I do fucking, I just do jokes. Like, so it became a weird thing of like alt comic became this disparaging term, but I don't, I always kind of felt like if you just. A club comic was likewise on the other side of disparaging club. Uh, yeah. It's, it's so weird when like comedians start boring. Like, 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 say that again. I'm saying, and and road co- if you're a road comic, you know, city comics just like, ugh, you know, assume you're just like a shitty hack. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's just if you're if you're funny. I mean, like Louis C.K. or someone like Todd Barry, like they could just kill anywhere. You know what I mean? Like it's not this like is this is true. But I also think it's I mean, when you're. I think a little bit. Of, well, I could be wrong, but I'm going to try to say this. Uh, I know for me, there's like a little bit of a, a wall between me and the audience or just like a little bit of a, I'm, I'm not totally just myself. Like I'm talking to you guys, you know, when you hear Marin, he's just himself, Louis yeah. is just himself, you know, you know, Robin Williams is something else, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like alt comedy was also like a appealing off of that layer it definitely right. was. I, and I think one reason that I did well in it is because I really, when I would watch that, the whole unpreparedness of it, I yeah. was like, oh, I'm, I'm into this. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a natural, it's a more natural. Right, right. And I it's liked it. more conversational. Yeah, like conversation, but also like I kind of liked like, oh, yeah, you can just kind of be not prepared and like, and it's cool. <laughs> But I mean, but like I was prepared, but I did that style did, I think, fit me in a better way than um, because I I kind of was the same. Like I would do clubs and I I don't know, even even I've always had that problem with clubs. Like it feels like you have to be. And when I did the road a little bit, it feels like you have to just get to it fast because they're not going to go with you. It's like, all right, what do you got? What do you got? And I can't. That's one thing is like. I think that's just being a comedian is kind of like, you know, in certain rooms, you're going to have to switch it up and you're going to have to present it differently. You know what I mean? Like you're pacing. I think I learned that kind of the hard way. But I also think starting in New York city, like I see comics coming around, coming from different areas of the country. And they're just like, sometimes it takes them a while to get to the joke. I'm like, wow. Starting in New York, you know, I feel like, especially when we did, like you see guys like David Tell and stuff like that. You're like, I got to get to the joke. Yeah. And I I learned comedy from that time, like the late 90s, like watching all those guys. So it wasn't like I watched alt comedians and was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be. It was like I already kind of had been figuring, you know, or trying to figure it out, you know. Yeah. It was a lack of polish that is, you know, valued. But it's very, it's very judgmental. Like, like in Brooklyn, it's now or again now i say now nothing's happening now but i don't know i mean have you you know how, how do you oh shit sorry yeah 
Is that your uh, is that your dinner? <laughs> That's Cloris Leachman from yeah. the grave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not my wife, sorry. I locked her out. Um All right. Do you have to go let your wife in? No. She's in she's in Australia. Oh. Ah. I'm watching uh I'm watching Lost right now. So <laughs> Well, well. Speaking of Australia, I mean, because they're they the flight was from Australia, right? Did you did you ever watch Lost? Dude, I was so into Lost, and I I'm, I guess I can't even talk about it because you're just starting it now. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm like the king of this thing where like I I discovered the thing like <laughs> 20 15 years, years later, <laughs> and I'm like, have you guys? And I always oh, yeah, be like, have you guys watch. seen this? Yeah. All right, then I can't really say what I feel, but I was like really fucking into Lost. Like I would watch, I would watch episode when it aired, and then I'd watch it again before the next one. Oh, really? Like I was really into it. Um, but, wait, uh, so wait, yeah. your wife is from Australia? Yeah, well, because of this fucking pandemic and this uh, country gone bad shit, uh, my kid's gonna go to kindergarten there for. Uh, He's going to do kindergarten there. Nice. She, you know, she's a resident. He's a citizen. He's a citizen of Australia, America, and the UK. Wow, that's awesome. Wow. And he's five. So, yeah. Did you ever do comedy in Australia? Yeah. I, you know, they love I, Americans. They do. Yeah, there's some Americans that went out there and just really started. Yeah, didn't like Arge Barker become huge there? Yeah, yeah. And Eddie Ift or something. Yeah. Yeah, Ift. yeah, yeah. I also feel like, I. yeah, I mean... I, I did it. Dundee. <laughs> Logan, yes. Did, did, uh, out there. No, I, when I first started going out there, I did. And uh, it, it was, it was fun. You know, there were some things that just didn't connect and I was always confused by that. And, but all your Brooklyn stuff. I mean, yeah. They like, didn't get, yeah. They don't, they don't know Samaros. Like, don't you guys like, are they on the metric system? Were you doing jokes about miles and where they were confused? Maybe I would, when I would tank, it would go, I would tank the other way. See, I'd uh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but I, the last few times I've been there, I, I, I haven't done it again. My motivation is like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, how do you feel now? Like after this, like, I don't know, say this clears up by the f- summer or fall. I mean, you guys, you know what? You know, hit the uh, hit the rooms hard. I feel like I'm just be starting over again, you know. And I'm tired of starting over. But isn't it kind of nice to see it like a lot of people going through it? Yeah. Like the like the whole comedy scene is kind of like no one's kind of immune to it now. Like because a lot of times in comedy, you know, it's a very exclusionary, up and down um, industry. So yeah. now it's kind of like uh, like kind of. I mean, maybe not completely as much as I think it is, but like almost like evens out or equalizer a little bit. Just, uh, like, just us. <laughs> yeah. Hey, be thank be thankful you don't make money like as a touring comic because I know guys that do that, you know, and they're the ones that got hurt the most. Like they live on their touring, um, and that's they've they've been decimated. No, the t-shirts aren't carrying them. <laughs> Shot glasses. But it's just like, you know, it's just funny to watch like um, people post pictures like, hey, this is when I was at this club three years ago. Oh, I hate like, that. Yeah, but uh, that's not today. So <laughs> I know. like fucking well, uh, beat it. Well, here, here's for me. I haven't been writing. I knew as soon as this thing hit, 
I'm like, oh fuck. And I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna write stand the material because I'm I'm not I'm more motivated when I'm doing a lot of stand-up to write material. I feel just more in that that zone. But here where it's just I'm you know, I'm looking out the fucking window every day and not going out. I, I and then you know you're 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 attached to the news watching hours of whatever network. Didn't you write a half hour on that uh that tree outside your window? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you gotta no, but you gotta see it as tree. It's like, oh, tree. like, yeah, you're kind of a tree, but really. Actually, it's kind of a bummer because I I have been writing a lot, but it's just like I'll write it down. I'm like, oh, this can't do anything with this. <laughs> um, if I could like, if I could, if I could get like a, a a small percentage of your prolificness, if that's a word. Oh, thank you. I would I would kill for it. I know, but they, it's material. I, I the same like five, 10 minutes, like, for, you know, for five years, like I, my kid's five and I'm doing jokes about him learning, you know, animal sounds, you know, like, you know, it's hilarious have, is like when I started, I remember seeing you at like Gladys's and I, I think I, I hadn't even, I'd been doing it maybe like three months. And like, I remember you were like one of the big guys there and I was like, oh man, look at that guy. Like you had like j- jokes and stuff. And, um, so that's why it was funny when I got to know you and you would like compliment my comedy. I was just, it was like weird to me. You know what I mean? No. Tom is so prolific. He has jokes about your kid, Josh. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Jesus. Please. And now it's fucking. Hopefully they're, hopefully they're like, you know, as a, you know, he's I've written an hour just on the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of wife updated wife jokes. But I wrote a joke the other day and I was like, wow, this is like one of the best jokes I've written in like years. And I was like, but what? All right. Now what? Like, I'll just be like, I I think pod, you know, that's the thing. I think what people are doing a podcast. I mean, that's kind of the way to get your creativity out. Like you have to, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, you know, you always hear with standups are like, oh, you know, standups, they they have to do standup, which I think is kind of true, but maybe they don't have to do standup, but there is something about like, the mind of like a comic where they're always coming up, but you, you start training your mind, but you do have to like, you can't stop it. You know what I mean? There has to be a way to get it out or something. Well, and that's why yeah. I, but that's why I really like the zoom comedy because I, if even if you were doing a live spot and there's a lot of spots in the city where you can do comedy, it's at minimum two hours of your night. You have to go there, wait, do your spot, leave. I feel like it's minimum, like at least two hours of well, it, uh, what'd you say? Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a slot. Like, yeah. I mean, you got, maybe, maybe you get lucky. You can do the whole thing in an hour or so, but that's, you know, you got to travel places. So, you know, so I feel like the zoom zoom comedy is, I feel it's pretty cool. You just fucking jump on these shows and you know, you're off in less than an hour and just close. You don't even have to like leave your room. (laughs) But I mean, it's like that for a lot of things in life right now. And I'm kind of wondering after this, like, are we going to be willing to, are we all going to be hermits? I like, like people. I, I think the whole working from home thing, people are going to be just so used to that and discover that that's so much better. Why would you have to go into a fucking office? I mean, I think it will, it will go back to that, but I think a large percentage of it won't. It's just. Well, in all the jobs that both either one of you have had in your life, how many did you have to be there? I mean, just even when you worked writing for a TV show, I mean, you could have technically done it from home, right? 
Well, it depends if you have like a bit that needs to be produced. It's it's probably easier to, but like monologue jokes. Yeah. I mean, really you can send them in. Yeah. I mean, when I used to like, you know, work at an ice cream shop, I think I had to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I wasn't there a lot, I was kind of arguing. I was like, do I really have to come in today? Yeah. When I, was, when I, when I uh, spent that summer in the dunking booth, when I was the guy insulting <laughs> people, like, I don't know. You can't throw a tennis ball through Zoom, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, maybe we just don't have those anymore. I think the world can, you know, make do without dunking booths. I don't know. I mean, have you, have you <laughs> tried one in the last few years? It's probably pretty satisfying. I mean, I've gotten really into them in the last three months. I just built one in my apartment. <laughs> no, I've just been watching, you know... I. I I mean that that that's kind of uh, you know I'm like the Trump has only been gone what like three days I know it's longer than that but it feels like that and like one positive thing is I'm already looking for TV shows to watch again so that's good mm, yeah that's good. <laughs> but you know what but I, but but still it's like he's gone but you know how gone is he no and he's also, not even if, but even if he fucking did, really disappears like the the, the drama that you know democracy is still. Uh, pretty fucking wobbly and it, it's it's not like we're going to go back to just you know like say twitter for example isn't going to go back to just hey, here's some you know silly jokes about the tree outside uh. <laughs> you know <laughs> but don't you think i think <laughs> right now tree material obviously i think it's a really good thing he's off twitter because he'd be doing a lot of damage right now if he was on twitter yeah yeah uh, yeah absolutely that, that what a, that definitely takes a load off like i feel like Oh, it really does. Yeah. I'm less tense with him gone off that. Right? Yeah, it's it was just, bad. It was the story every day. It was a story. He would just say something insane. It was just, and I think we, I was talking about this on the last podcast, just like, you know, as we get further away from it, it's more like it's going to put more into perspective how awful it was. Like, getting out of like an abusive relationship where it's just like, Jesus, is that really fucking, was that really happening? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, yeah, but the Republicans will, uh, you know, they, oh man. That's the next thing. The whole whole get over it shit. I know. (laughs) What? They beat a cop with a fucking flag. You know, I think think the Democrats messaging, they need to hire some fucking roast writers to get their fucking, sharpen their fucking messaging. Like, you, you know, no one's just, no one's just like pounding the fucking desk and saying, you, you no. beat a cop. Are you for that? Hey, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a time for healing. You can't come on. We're healing. Yeah, that's true. Let's get, let's, let's all kumbaya. <laughs> and sway right. with Marco Rubio and Ted Ratface crew. I think that cop who was beaten in the face, he, 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 he's also on board with the time for healing. Um, yeah. Face. Yeah, but, no, no, I, I just hope they drop that whole fucking come together on the president for the whole fucking country. Like, you know, fuck all that shit. Yeah, I mean, he did. Uh, maybe he shouldn't have played up the whole unity thing so much uh, because everyone's defining it. They're already like, that's not unifying because they're not, you know, it's I mean, it just would be like uh, so bring civility back is a nice message. That would have been pretty good. Unify. It's like we're not close, man. We're not even fucking close. Yeah, he, I don't want to unify with them. I want to fucking draw them out and crush them. Well, I mean, they're like the, you oh, know. Yeah, I'm a total pussy. If I met one, I put I put <laughs> a maga hat on. So I didn't 
Well, I mean, it's just, you know, a sect of it is domestic terrorism. So you're going to like unify with that and just kind of like, that's the problem. It's like one side has been radicalized. Well, they're mainstreaming it, yeah. I don't know. It's just I'm supposed to unify with, you know, with that guy, with the guy, the guy with the Viking helmet on. Like, <laughs> open our hearts and have a little con- sit down with him. So, so where are you coming from, bro? Where are you coming from? I mean, all I see is just. I mean, what was it like two weeks ago? They're beating that cop with like flags. I mean, <laughs> I don't want those. But those people should not be. They should be in jail. I still like. I, I was reading about the um, the was it the QAnon shaman. And they made yeah. a point to say that he was unemployed. I'm like, dude, you don't have to. You don't have to say that. You, we, yeah. we can... right. Now that guy should could work get working at Dunkin' Booth. It's all over. But was let me it... ask. Let me ask you a question. What's Tom? I was gonna say um, his outfit screamed unemployable. <laughs> <laughs> it looked um, like he had some free time. Yeah, go ahead. I'm very curious, and you know, it's all hypothetical because it didn't happen. But they were out for blood. They would have like what would we be? Where would this be today if they had gotten Mike Pence or Nancy Pelosi or even a less known? What difference would it make right now? I'm curious because would they finally have to? Did it have to get that far? Did they have to rip Pence limb from limb and actually, you know, kill him? I mean, for for more to be made of this for them not to. I tell I, I think if that happened, get over it. I think if that happened, there would have been like only force for uh house or who was it like uh, congress one, republicans one, that objected one, to the one, vote one less one less senator would object yeah. I, I think you know yesterday they like 45 senator republican senators voted against even having the um the yeah. trial so i think if pence had been ripped limb from limb it would have been like 35 senators yeah. and i'm not even kidding because what i realized is like there is no bridge too far at this point it's Wait, like what do you mean it would have been 35 senators oh oh you're saying it would be uh i think like okay. so basically it, 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 five republicans would have been on board i think like it would have gotten like maybe 10 more uh senators on board yeah, you made me do math there that was embarrassing but uh, and everyone if a, if a, like, but everyone uh, hates pens. Like everyone, like I just found this out doing a couple of shows recently. If you want a person, if you're looking for someone that everyone hates, just say Mike Pence. Because now on either side, he's hated by everybody. Mike Pence. No, I mean, I, I he's certainly a I get it. scumbag who, you know, was uh, Trump's little bitch for years. Well, he just doesn't stand for any. I mean, like mm-hmm. what, on either side, it's like, what is he? The only thing he did was his job that one day with that one vote. Yeah, which was big. Did. That was his, and that and that was why you know they wanted to, you know, Trump sent them to fucking yeah destroy him. That was the one thing I think we could unify on. <laughs> Hanging why Mike was- Pence. Why are they just focusing on that one fucking day of Trump saying those things? You know what I mean? Because I feel like that's too narrow. Oh, yeah. I, that, that's the thing that was so annoying, too, when it happened. Wait, no, how could we have seen this coming? And it's like, all right. <laughs> if you just, but if you just act like isolate that one day, like that could be any, you know, that get up and fight is like kind of shit. That's locker room talk. That's that's, you know, <laughs> locker room talk, you know. I, I think there were just people who didn't who didn't see it in the last five years. I really think there were just some people looking back who just didn't refuse to see it or like what he was saying or wh- where it would lead or I because it's not all just QAnon crazy people. It's like some I so I don't know. It's it's been it's one of the most like baffling. 
I mean, that's why I'm trying to watch Lost now because I just don't want to. I mean, I literally have to like force myself to not watch the news because it's just such right. a bummer. Give me a series to watch. I, I my family's gone. I got all this. I, I have one that I it didn't get the wow. best reviews, but I like it. Your Honor, which is the Brian Cranston. That's really good. That didn't get good reviews. No, I don't know. I feel like it with Brian Cranston now. He if he doesn't do Breaking Bad, everyone just shits on it. I think it's like one of those things. Oh, you know, it's kind of like Breaking Bad, actually. It's so much. He acts just like Walter White. He does. Yeah, it's the exact same thing where he's in an awful situation. He just has to keep lying to everyone at every turn. But they were kind of and it's it's good. So it's really good. uh, Give me like a series, like a drama series, like seven minimum seven seasons. I can tear through. I'm thinking the Americans, maybe. I never watched that. Did you watch Game of Thrones? I'm assuming you did. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, did you watch Gilmore Girls? No. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> you should watch. I you should watch Bridgerton, which I don't know what the hell that is. Nine hundred two one zero. There's accents. I'm sorry, I'm xenophobic, but <laughs> all right, we should wrap it up. Let's let's do our. Ec- no, 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 guys, please don't go. I got nothing. I got. I'm so lonely. Please. <laughs> we'll think of it. We'll think. Can we of go another half hour? I'll pay you. I'll. You got, uh, 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 What's your Venmo? We What's actually Venmo's? haven't even been recording. <laughs> uh, I like how we. I like how it ended on a, like a tirade about Trump. Uh, <laughs> I think it always does. Oh God. Um. Okay. Well, uh, Josh Comers, thanks so much for coming on again. Yeah, it was a great guest. Always talking as, to us. As always. As always. And look for look for a show on Fox at some point this year. I think called Let's Be Real. And That's I- the Smigel show. Yeah. Oh, cool. God. I, yeah. He everything. Please, is, I believe they're doing more. So. Awesome. He is so All funny. Right. I watch everything he does. That's guy, that guy's great. Watch the Wiener Circle. There you go. Go watch that. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah I'm gonna go link. watch that. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, Le2B, thanks. Please rate and review. Subscribe, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.